Good afternoon. It's actually evening, I think, but it feels like afternoon. And welcome to Pigeon Post. I am at the uh, come and go gas station here, and I just filled up my car. So um, I thought I would go ahead and hit record. And here we go, cranking up the car. All right, it doesn't always crank, so that's a good sign if you believe in signs. Um, so my name's Michael. If you've never listened to this podcast before, um, it's just me in my car uh, talking about the Bible, Jesus, salvation, uh, the meaning of life, all those kind of things. <clears throat> we don't heavily, I say we, I really just mean me. Um, I should include my wife because she allows me the time to do some of this. But most of it happens in the car, so we don't heavily edit these things. Um, So if I misquote a Bible verse or if I say something uh, stupid or if I just uh, go into a coughing fit, I'll try to correct myself. Um, But otherwise, uh, just have a little grace for me there. Um, So I felt like doing a recording today because I was talking to somebody about sharing the gospel and um, maybe you're listening to this maybe we're friends and I shared this link with you and uh, when you hear the word gospel you might be like whoa what what are we about to talk about or um, maybe I shared this with you if I was just talking to you Um, sometimes I talk to to strangers about the gospel and um, I'm just now kind of starting the podcast thing and I thought, wouldn't it be cool to have something that I could just give to somebody and say, hey, I don't have time to, to, or maybe you don't have time to listen to this right now, but it's so important and um, I want to share it with you. So uh, when you hear the word gospel, you might think of all different kind of things. You might think of gospel music. You might think of just church in general. You might think of Jesus. Um, Those are all good things to think about. But um, terms need to be defined, right? So when I'm saying the word gospel, uh, what what I'm meaning when I'm saying that, what I'm about to share with you, is basically a way of looking at the world. You know, we we all have something called a worldview. Uh, We all have a way of looking at the world. Uh, We all have kind of an idea of the meaning of our lives, even though maybe we can't always enunciate that. For some of us, it may be more mysterious than others. Um, I guess it depends on how religious or spiritual you you consider yourself. Um, I'm a Christian, so when I'm using the word gospel, I'm thinking about my view of the world, which is the Christian worldview. Now, why do I want to share that with you? Why do I think that that is something worth considering no matter what your background or culture? Um, So here's the deal. Everyone thinks kind of in these categories, even if not specifically. Here's what I mean. We all have like a goal in life or like an idea of what our life means or what we want to accomplish. We all have some kind of problem This is what creates drama. This is why we watch movies. There's always a problem or an issue that needs to be resolved. And there is a way to resolve that problem so that the goal is reached. 
right? So these aren't completely foreign categories that we're, that we're talking in. Uh, but what I think is most useful about the gospel is it's not just pragmatic. It's not something that works. I am not trying to describe a way of getting what you want out of life. In fact, if you listen to this and believe it, um, I will guarantee you that your life will not get easier uh, in most respects, in the, in the way that we normally think of life being easy or hard. I would say that your life will get harder, more difficult, you'll probably lose friends, um, but there is also a great gain. So um, stay tuned to kind of understand what that is. It's not monetary. <laughs> I'm not trying to sell you anything or uh, get you to buy a system <laughs> or a subscription uh, to anything. So here's the deal. The Bible is the story of God's work in the world. And even if you don't believe that, just go with me here for a second so we can at least understand what the gospel is. My, my goal for you is not to just sign up, you know, for Jesus, you know, if you don't care anything about Jesus. But I want you to understand what the gospel is. The gospel means good news. And it's good news that's supposed to go out into the world to every creature. Jesus commanded us to preach the gospel to every creature, right? So the gospel is a worldview. It's a way of looking at the world. It also explains and summarizes everything in the Bible. So if you're like, oh, I would... To be a Christian, I'd have to read the whole Bible. No, you don't have to read the whole Bible. You're probably going to develop a desire to read the whole Bible. Um, but there's parts of it that I probably haven't even read. I'm sure there's parts of Ezekiel that I've never gotten to. Um, it's a rather difficult book. <laughs> uh, but the actual storyline of the Bible can be summarized in a useful way. And here's the, the part that I, that I want you to get the most. The gospel is not just the way we can look at the world that explains the world for us. It's not just a way that explains the things that we find in the Bible, but it is a deeply personal way that you can know God. In fact, I'm going to make the argument that it's the only way. And before you turn off the podcast, I know that's not a popular thing to say right now. I'm also going to turn on my... Um, Incredibly loud windshield wipers here and there. Um, just hear me out. Just at least, at the very least, I want you to know the story. So I hope you'll enjoy this just for the sake of the story. And then I will say from my end, the story is true. It's true for everyone at all times on this planet, in this solar system, in this universe. Um, so here's, here's the story of the gospel. Now here's how I'm going to try to do it. I'm going to try to um, do it with colors. And if you can kind of visualize these colors with me, um, I don't mean visualize in a spiritual sense. I just mean think about, you know, the colors that I'm telling you. Um, I've found it to be just a really neat visual to use. So I've taught this to um, teenagers before. Um, I, I haven't used it so much um, just on the street, you know, talking to people I meet. Um, but I think I'm going to start using it again. I, I was talking to a, a friend today who's a former pastor. We were just talking about 
you know, sharing the gospel, sharing the story of the Bible. And it, it's often really difficult and confusing if we don't know where exactly to start. Okay, so here's the colors. Um, gold or yellow is where the story starts and ends, okay? So actually, when I teach my children the gospel, my kids, uh, we had, we need to make another one, it was at our old house, but we had a, basically called a wordless book. Now, I'm not making this up. This is, uh, this method was, I don't know if it was invented by Charles Spurgeon, um, but it's been used by missionaries, it's been used before. I think originally it was just three colors. It was black, red, and white. And we'll get to what those colors mean in a second, but I'll go ahead and spoil some of it. Um, black is like for sin, like the darkness that we're in when we're in sin. Red is for the blood of Jesus, and white is for the fact that the blood of Jesus makes us clean. So those are like the three core colors. Um, but I remember when I was a kid going to, my dad would take me to the Christian bookstore, and um, there were these bracelets, and I actually started making them with beads and leather, and uh, I thought they were really cool. Um, they had these colors on them. They had, um, I think they started with black, actually, which is kind of weird now that I think about it, but there were knots on both ends, and then they started with black and red and white, and then they went to blue and green and yellow. So that's basically the pattern that I'm gonna follow, except that I thought it was useful to kind of make the yellow mean something different. Um, so we're starting with the color yellow or gold, okay? Starting with yellow or gold. And what I think is gonna happen here is I think I'm just I'm shooting from the, the hip here, you know? It's just an off-the-cuff uh, presentation of of the gospel, like what what did Jesus do? How does that relate to how we view the world? All those kind of things. And then I think I'll probably do podcasts for each color again, just to go more in depth and um, to include more scriptures. So the first color is yellow or gold. I like the, the idea of gold, but yellow, um, yellow works too. It's supposed to represent the glory of God. And I think this is something that I missed a lot growing up. I mean, we would sing praise songs, but I don't know if I ever really got a vision of the glory of God. You know, when you say the word, the glory of God, it kind of makes us think that there's something real mystical, mysterious going on here. But it, it really involves knowing who God is and what he has done. The Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God. When we look out at the glory, at the glorious sunset, let's say, it makes us know inside of our heart that something put that there, or someone put that there. It's, it's special, it testifies that there is a creator. There's someone who causes the sun to rise and the sun to set. Um, in older terms, there's an unmoved mover, right? Um, it's funny, these days we kind of sort of as a society kind of thrown off that idea like oh because there is evolution or something like that that there was you know no need for anybody to start that chain that process we don't need a god right that's kind of the modern way of thinking right 
But when we look out at the world, we know that there's order and there's beauty and that it didn't, didn't come from anything. And if we deny that, I'm just going to tell you what Scripture says. Scripture says you're lying to yourself if you were to deny that there is a God. You're, you're basically suppressing the truth. You're, you're pressing it down, trying to put it away in the closet and not deal with it because... Well, we'll get to the because in a second. Um, spoiling the story. So if you're following along with the story here, we start with the idea that God is glorious. He is the most perfect and supreme of all beings. He's uncreated. There is none like him. Um, there are not multiple gods. There's one supreme God. And he has attributes. These attributes are review revealed in scripture, but they're also accessible to us um, just kind of, he's left a stamp on our hearts, so to speak. So we know, we know in our hearts that if there's a God, that God is good. Most people wouldn't object to the, the phrase, God is good, right? He has to be by definition. Um, and maybe that's why you don't believe in God, because you don't think God is good. But maybe you haven't heard the right story. Maybe you haven't heard the right view of God. So God has attributes. He has things about himself that are true. Um, God is omnipresent. That means that his presence invades everything. It doesn't mean that God is in everything. So we're not talking about a God who is in the tree and a God who's in the grass and such that, you know, I can worship that, that grass is God in some sense. So God is separate from the universe. So there's got to be a definite separation here for the glory of God to be um, what it is. It's a glory that is not inherent in creation as if God is the universe, but that God is outside the universe and that his creation, though broken, we'll get to that in a second, testifies to his glory. So God's omnipresent. He is everywhere. He sees everything. He hears everything. There's no secrets from God. He knows the future. He knows the past. He knows everything that'll happen and the way it's going to happen. God is omniscient, is the other omni that we say, right? He knows everything. Um, and then God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. This is what makes him God. If there was something that God couldn't do, then he wouldn't be God. Now we have to be careful here that we don't do one of two things. That we don't ask, um, you know, questions like, can God make a rock so big that he can't lift it? Well, that doesn't really um, apply to what we're saying, right? Because God is omnipotent, which really means not that he can do anything, because God will always do what he wants to do, right? So God is doing anything according to his own will. So it's a nonsense question to ask, would God make a rock so big, or can God make a rock so big that he can't lift it? Maybe you might ask, would God make a rock so big that he can't lift it? But that's a different question. So he is all powerful. He is only going to do what he wants to do. And there is no one that can say, no, God, you can't do that, because he can do that. Um, but the other way we could get off on this is to think that God would uh, violate his nature. 
So if we say, is there anything God can't do? Yeah, God can't sin, right? God cannot lie, cheat, steal, um, you know, disrespect himself, right? God can't do any of the things that we would call sin or that he defines for us as sin. He does have prerogative as creator to do whatever he wants to do. But God is perfectly good. It's not just that he's kind of good or does some of the right things, but that everything he does is right. If we're going to be judged before God, if we're gonna, you know, people often say, only God can judge me, God will perfectly judge you. You are absolutely right if you say only God can judge you. And God will judge all of us perfectly. So God, those are just some of the basics about who God is. God is his attributes. He's good, he's powerful, he's loving, but he's also just. If God is a judge, he has to be a good judge. And a good judge wouldn't let a murderer go free. A good judge would not say to a rapist, oh, I'm sure you had good intentions, you were raised this way, we can kind of look the other way on this. So God has to be perfectly just, He's also perfectly loving, perfectly kind. Every one of his attributes are perfect. So when he's loving, he's also just. Um, God shows grace and mercy. Um, God gives, makes the sun rise on everybody. Makes the, makes the ground grow fruit, right? If you had a meal today, hopefully you thanked God, even if it wasn't by bowing your head and praying, that you thanked God. Now, I know I'm, I'm being very simplistic here. Some objections may arise immediately. But the main thing I want to get across to share the story is that in this yellow section, in this gold section, we need to have a proper understanding of who God is, what he has done, and those things require from us a response. And that response is to glorify God and to know him rightly. So the Bible reveals that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, So God is a Father. It's mainly how the Bible teaches that from a New Testament point of view. Um, God has one only begotten Son. That's Jesus. Okay, And God is Holy Spirit. So um, when I do the individual podcast on the gold part, we'll talk about the Trinity more in depth. Um, but just know that that's the biblical revelation of God, and I think that'll make sense as the story goes on. If you were to open the Bible and read Genesis, it wouldn't say the word Trinity, uh, but it would talk about God's Spirit and God's Word. So some of the older Christians like to use um, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit or the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So, um, but basically just this idea that we have to have a right understanding of who God is, what he has done, he's the uncreated creator of all things, and that this requires glory. Um, our, he has glory whether we give it to him or not, but we, it requires that we glorify him. So now we have to kind of dive into Genesis. Um, God created creation good right? He said, this is good. After every 
day or after everything that he made, this is good. And then he made man in his image. And I think that has to do with the ability of man to what's called commune with God or to have a relationship in our modern terms with God. So God would come down and walk, even though God is not a man, it's using language that we can understand for him being there, walking in the garden with Adam and Eve. If he was walking, no problem, because we have, we have this idea of Jesus being present in the Old Testament. So that beyond the scope of this particular conversation. But the point is that in this yellow part, we're still in the yellow part, the gold part, the glory of God is clearly seen by his creation, Adam and Eve, and he gives them a rule. God is just. He gives them a rule to follow. That rule has a punishment. If you eat of this tree, you will die. Well, now we know what happened, right? That they did eat of the tree. And that takes us from the gold section into the black section. Now, the black section basically represents the darkness or dirtiness of sin, okay? I think it would almost be better to be like a disfigured type black, you know? Like something, almost a scary swirl of black, dark, moldy, dirty, um, just filth, okay? That is what sin is. So we have to see how good God is, the gold section, and how bad we are and our sin is in the dark section. So now that is the problem, that is the drama, that is the tension that Adam and Eve sinned. And now if God is just, how does he deal with sinful people like me, right? So if I personalize this and I think, okay, my eyes have looked at things that they shouldn't have looked at. My mouth that God created has said things against him. I've taken his name in vain. I've said lies. My hands that God made have stolen things, taken things that weren't mine. My mind that God's made has been used to process and worship other gods. Things that I put above God, anything that I put above God is an idol. My heart that God made is set on evil. My heart is confused. My heart has bad desires. So inside and out, I am sinful. And I'm not only sinful when I sin, I'm sinful because I am a sinner by nature. I am a born rebel against God. So now we have a holy, which I should have mentioned holiness when I mentioned the gold part, because the Bible says God is holy, holy, holy. He is clean. He is cut off from anything wickedness, from anything wicked. And I have wickedness in my heart. I am not reconciled. I am um, estranged, so to speak, from God by my sin. So we see there's a crack, there's a fall in creation. So that we see things that are beautiful. Oh, that tree's beautiful, but that tree also has a disease. And now it's dying because of this thing that got into it, right? We see that, oh, that baby is beautiful, but that baby says no to his mama, right? And is, is a born rebel. 
right? Even though he's beautiful, right? Even though he's fearfully and wonderfully made. You see that their conflict never seems to end in the world. I hope I don't have to convince you too much of the evil that's in the world, but I think that's harder to convince ourselves of the evil that's in our hearts and to own up to it. We like to think positively. We like to think good about ourselves and empower ourselves. But we are fractured, including me, on the inside. We're sinners, rebels. God is not our father because we've chosen another father. We've chosen the one that's against God in scripture. And we've aligned ourselves to that side. Okay, the one who is not God or whatever idols that we have in our, in our lives. So now there's the drama between the gold and the black. Like what happens for us to become right with God again? Is there a way for a rebel to be reconciled to the king? Right? This rebel hates the king, would kill the king if he could. Is there a way for us, we are those rebels, every person on the planet, to be reconciled to the king? Well, I think here is where uh, a lot of religions and people would say, well, the way to get right with God is just to be good. If you just start being good, everything will be gravy. The problem is, being good doesn't help the rapist or murderer pay for their crime. If we, have, if we are guilty in any judicial sense against God, if he is going to judge us, which he says that he will according to scripture, how, how do we pay for that with good deeds? Is that possible? That would be like a bribe, right? If you're like, look, I know I murdered that person, but hear me out. I will help as many people as I can from now on. And that helping will pay for that murder. What would a good judge say to that? He would say no way, right? You're an enemy of this system. You are a criminal. You have a crime that you must pay for. The problem with us is we could never pay for that, that crime, whether by good works or by time. God's not going to lock us into way, away into a spiritual prison to pay for a crime like sin. Sin is an infinite guilt against a holy God. Something has to pay for that sin. Now, in the Bible, God teaches us in the Old Testament that the thing that is a result of sin is death. So the only thing that can pay, air quotes, for sin is death. So the Old Testament people had a sacrificial system. Now they knew, and God clearly said, that the blood of those lambs or goats or whatever it was that they were killing and sacrificing would never pay for their sin. Because how can the blood of animals pay for a human sin? How can the blood of animals make things right? Something better, something greater would have to happen to satisfy God's justice. And we get a hint of this when God, you've probably heard the story of Abraham, 
being asked to sacrifice his son Isaac. When he gets up there, he's willing to do it. He raises the knife to kill Isaac, and God says, no, don't hurt the boy. I'm going to substitute this ram, which is trapped over here in the thickets, for his life. Now we see two things there. We see one, that there is a substitute for the person who was supposed to die. But the second thing we see there is that a father would sacrifice a son. And that is what happened when we get to the red section. Jesus is the eternal Son of God. He has always been in perfect fellowship with God. He is the Word of God. John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's where we get the doctrine of the Trinity. It's not that he is a separate being or a created being, but that he is God himself. He is the Word of God, the Son of God. The thing that God is is what he is. God sends his Son to become man. This is called the Incarnation. So if you've ever heard God became a man or Jesus, you've heard Jesus described as the God-man. Jesus becomes a man, lives a perfect, spotless, sinless life. And he does this following all the Old Testament laws, perfectly being righteous, demonstrating all of the attributes of God, doing what Adam, the original man, didn't do. Adam did not give glory to God as intended. But in the red section, Jesus does everything that Adam didn't do. He follows his father's will and he dies not as an example of love, as some people say, even though it is an example of love, but ultimately he was called the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. By that, it means the sin of everybody that calls upon his name, that believes in him. So that's what happens in the red section. God solves the problem of our paying for our sin. But he doesn't just pay for our sin. He also makes us clean, eternally clean. And when we take what Jesus did and apply it to ourselves individually, now we're in the white section. Because that thing that Jesus did isn't passively applied to everybody in the whole world. It is for those who believe. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. There is a problem of sin. If you're stuck in the dark black section, in the sin section, Jesus' blood doesn't do anything for you until you believe on it. You have to believe. And by believing, we mean more than just saying, yeah, I believe it happened. This is a turning from your sin, saying, look, I hate my sin. For some reason, the thing that I used to love, I hate. Now that I've seen Jesus and what God has done for me, I'm turning. We call that repenting. So I'm repenting. I'm turning from my sin. I'm turning towards Jesus. And I'm believing. I'm putting my faith only in him. Now this is where a lot of air quote Christians, um, Christian 
gatherings or churches, whatever you want to call it, kind of get off here. Um, we are saved and made clean by the new birth, okay, which happens by grace alone through faith alone. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 that um, we are saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, so that no one may boast. So we are not saved by becoming good. It isn't that we become good, clean ourselves up, go to church. Now God saves us because we're nice little Republican voting Christians or whatever. Whatever you have in your mind about being a Christian. We're going to get to that like as far as should a Christian love, should a Christian um, be kind. Yes, yes, that will come. But this is the, the thing that holds it all together. In the white section, a new person is made. Um, Paul says in the New Testament of the Bible that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old is gone, the new has come. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you won't see the kingdom of God. So there has to be a new person born. If this has ever happened to you, you know it. You might not know when it happened exactly, but you felt a change, a transformation from being the person that you were before who loved sin, didn't care about God. Maybe you even went to church and were religious, but had no real knowing or relationship with God. And now you love God. You're not perfect. You're still sinning. That's going to happen. But the difference is you're turning from that sin. You're confessing the sin to the Lord. You're asking him to restore you in forgiveness. And that is something that happens one time. If you are born again, you're never going to be the person you were before. Now, sometimes it gets confusing. Sometimes you might think, maybe I'm not born again. Like, I still really love sinning. Those are issues that need to be worked out. But when, when the new birth happens, there is an objectively new creation. Something different. You've been given a new heart with new desires. They're not perfect. But God is, he has justified you in the biblical sense. You are now just because you have the blood of Christ taking away your sin. But you also have the perfect life that Christ lived imputed or credited to your account. It's like you were in huge debt. Somebody wiped out the debt and loaded the bank account. I'm not talking about money here. <laughs> Please don't think this is the gospel of Joel Osteen or any of those other TV guys who say, you know, you can overcome and get what you want. That's not the gospel. The gospel is about reconciling a rebel to God. It, it is about you being an enemy of the king and now you become the king, one of the king's sons. And you are a son because Jesus is a son. He reconciles you, you're adopted into his family. This is what's so important, okay? The black part, the sinful part, is deserving of hell. But more than even the idea of fire and flames is a cutting off of your who you really were supposed to be in Adam, in the original creation, someone who walks with God and knows God. 
you might not have any desire to know God. That's just a testament of the fact that you need a new heart. You should have a desire to know your creator because that's the way he made you. So in the white section, somebody becomes brand new uh, by repenting and believing, by repentance and faith. And that is a objective change that happens in the person's heart. Uh, but you can't always discern what time it happens or when it happened. It might have happened years ago and you're just now realizing, realizing it. But it's often met with like a confession, right? Um, the Bible says that um, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you have to believe what I like to call the, um, the objective gospel, like the facts, right? That Jesus is who he said he is. He is the Son of God, that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that God sent the Son to die for your sins, that Jesus died on a cross, he bled and was really dead, physically dead, was buried, and physically rose from the dead on the third day. You have to believe that because that is what your faith is in. Your faith is in the person and work of Christ, who Jesus is and what he's done. Okay, I am uh, pulling into my driveway pretty soon. Um, oh no, I forgot to go to the store. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not pulling into the driveway. Maybe I will finish this. <laughs> oh man. I'm supposed to go to the store and pick up a few things. Here we go. Um, keeping it real here on the Pigeon Post. This is what it's all about. Uh, the blue section is next. So we've got gold, black, red, white, and blue. Now this section, a lot of people don't think is very important. Um, it is important, but we also have to put it in perspective. So uh, we could sort of say that the blue section is about baptism, um, or we could say, I think it's better to say about the church. Okay, so when I see blue, I think it originally on the little bracelet that I, I got when I was a kid, I think it meant baptism. Um, but baptism is basically one's entrance into the church. It's the outward symbol that you've joined the church. In a lot of countries, baptism will get you killed or persecuted um, immensely. It's, it's a showing that you are turning from um, any other thing that you believe before in becoming a Christian. Um, some people baptize infants. Uh, some people uh, don't. Some churches don't. I think that's for another podcast. It's not, I don't think it's the biggest deal in my mind. Um, although I personally would lean towards, strongly towards um, someone getting baptized when they realize that they fully um, understand the gospel. Which categorically would, you know, not include infants. But anyway, that's another podcast. I think the blue section for me, I like I like it representing baptism, but only in the context of uh, the church. So when God restores you, or when God adopts you into His family, He doesn't bring you into this singular relationship with Him for only a singular purpose. He brings you into a community of believers. So the first thing a person should do when they realize that they believe that Jesus died for their sin and rose again, and that they're they're ready to uh, 
to go there, like that, that God's calling them into his family, is to get in the family, right? To go find a church that is teaching the gospel, that's teaching the Bible rightly, and to get get in that. And that's what the blue section represents. There's a lot more we could say about that, um, but for the purposes of this podcast, um, I'm guessing that if you're in a church, you know, you kind of get it. If you're not, maybe you are really turned off by church. Maybe you've had bad experiences. Um, that could be for multiple reasons. I think we'll talk about that when we do the blue podcast, but just know that God has called you into a community of believers. You have family wherever you go. We've experienced that in Colorado. We're from Texas. We already have family, the family of God here in Colorado, and it's been here since we got here with multiple churches. So it's not like you have to go to this one particular church. Uh, we've we've went to um, just evangelical type churches, uh, Presbyterian churches, Baptist churches, um, churches that wouldn't really like a label. Um, as long as the church preaches the gospel and teaches the Bible rightly, that's church. And God calls you into a church, not to go sit up on the mountain and, you know, meditate your life away, but to actually be in real life, um, not just on Sunday, but in real life, loving each other as the church. Okay, and then next would be the green section. And green probably obviously represents growth. Like, and this is where um, I think a lot of people say Christians are hypocrites. Well, maybe the Christians that you know are just Christians by label. Maybe they have not been born again. Maybe they don't have a new heart. Maybe they haven't truly come to Christ. Maybe they just think they were born into a Christian family, so they're a Christian. Or maybe they're just deceiving themselves. Maybe they're false Christians. A Christian is going to grow. Uh, in some sense of the word. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. I probably left a few out. <laughs> um, Jesus' main commandments, which he says you have to keep. Um, it's not optional. Um, his commandments are to love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, you're not going to perfectly keep those things. You, you can't achieve perfection. And honestly... If you go for achieving perfection, you're not going to get it because the goal is love, right? It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, mind, and strength. So, um, yeah, the green section is growth. It fulfills the command of creation to be fruitful and multiply. It fulfills it by being fruitful um, in our knowing of God and loving others and um, just showing the grace that we've been given. Um, lots of things fall into this category, like Jesus says, if you don't forgive others, you won't be forgiven. Well, that's, that's a grace that we grow in. We grow in the ability to forgive others as a sign that we've been forgiven. And it's something that will happen. You notice Jesus says it has to happen. So does that mean that we make ourselves good enough? No, the white comes before the green. The Bible teaches that you have to be a new creation in order to show the fruit of the Spirit. So it doesn't make sense to say that you have to produce fruit um, apart from the grace of God, and then God will accept you. God accepts you into his family. He calls you his son. Sorry, there's like a water bottle rolling around here. 
on a chip bag, so my apologies for the noise. But, um, but yeah, that's the green section. And then lastly, um, the gold section again, right? That um, I love the way the Westminster Confession says, what is the chief end of man? Or why are we here? What's the meaning of life? It's to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So that glory of God that has always existed, even before the black section, before God even created man and man fell and all of those things, that is our aim. Our aim has not changed. The purpose is finally fulfilled. It's done in Christ by putting new hearts in us, uh, bringing us into the family, growing in grace, and then glorifying God as we were always meant to do. Um, it often sounds boring to people to say, um, you know, we're going to go to heaven forever. Well, what does that mean? We're going to we're going to uh, sing boring church songs forever. Well, first off, I think I think songs in church are a lot less boring <laughs> recently in the last you know decade or whatever since you can go back and listen to my story if you want to on one of the earlier podcasts. It's called Michael's Story. Um, I think songs that we thought were boring are a lot less boring because we've experienced it. Um, it's like reading a love letter or, um, or reading a love letter to us, right? It's totally different when it's personalized and you, you kind of own it. So um, everything is about the glory of God, which I feel like I have not talked about enough. Um, maybe I just need to, to make sure that I know what that means. <laughs> Uh, but I think we're always growing in our understanding of what the glory of God is, that he is so awesome and amazing and higher than us, that he's good and perfect and just in all his ways. And I think if you really want to see the glory of God, you read the word of God because you, it'll show you who God is and what he has done. So the, that is the gospel in color. I feel like I didn't do the best job of doing that. But you know what? The whole idea of Pigeon Post is... I don't have a lot of time. I'm going to hit record. I'm going to try my best to get this out here, much like somebody on a war front would scribble a note, put it in the little holder on the pigeon's ankle, if pigeons have ankles. I'm still not sure about that. And send the pigeon off um, to get that message somewhere. That's the kind of thing that, that I'm doing here. I want you to get the message. I want you to know Jesus. If I said anything wrong... Um, if you think I'm off on anything, please call me out on it. You can email me at pigeonpost2019 at gmail.com. Pigeonpost2019 at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you um, with anything, uh, be it criticism, um, hey, good job, um, maybe you should talk about this sometime. Any of those things would be awesome. So thanks for joining us. Once again, the colors, the gospel in color is gold, black, red, white, blue, green, gold. Um, maybe you can use this. And oftentimes I use this just in my head. I won't tell somebody the colors necessarily, um, but I might use it in my head to, um, to be able to follow the storyline myself. And when I'm reading the Bible off and think, okay, where does this fall in the storyline? And you see that this this pattern emerges throughout scripture. And when I look out at the world, I think in these categories as well. I think God is glorious. He created the world to glorify him. We fell into sin. Jesus has come back and shown us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. 
for things to become clean and full of light again, the white section, and that in baptism, I am aligning myself with the king. He is the true king. I'm putting a mark on myself. He put a mark on me, right? But this is a symbol of that mark that I am with him. I am on his team because of what he's done in my heart in the white section. You notice the baptism doesn't come before the white section. And then lastly, I'm going to grow. I'm going to try to be as fruitful as possible. I'm going to try to be fruitful in these podcasts because I want to bear fruit in your life, right? And then lastly, why are we all doing it? For the gold, the glory of God, not the glory of me, the glory of God. So um, that's the Gospel in Color. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next time on Pigeon Post.